Hey guys, welcome to the Tech People Podcast. My name is Ken Coyne. I'm your host and founder, as well as head of technology at Office Talent. I believe at the heart of any success story are the people who made it happen. Diversity, creativity, and innovation, when nurtured in people, can lead to an unbeatable formula. I created this podcast to share the experiences of some truly inspirational leaders on their journey to success. Enjoy the show. Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of Tech People. This is your host, Ken speaking. This week, we're turning our focus to the power of digital marketing, which has evolved a lot over the last decade with influencer marketing and many new forms of social media outlets, content marketing, and new technologies such as AI, AR, and VR. So I'm delighted to be joined today by Courtney Rambo, who is the co-founder and director of Intellitonic, an SEO and digital marketing agency. Courtney will speak to us about why companies need to focus on digital marketing, how she went about building a digital marketing business, and share some of the challenges she faced in doing this. So without further ado, let's welcome Courtney to the show. Thank you, Ken. Thanks, Courtney. Great to have you. I always find this a very interesting topic, and as I mentioned, evolving quite a lot. But before we get into it, uh, maybe you could just give us some background a bit about yourself. Yeah, definitely. So I'm one of three co-founders of Intellitonic. Um, I ultimately serve as the director. This also includes heading up our paid search team, so Google Ads, Microsoft Ads, as well as our account management team. So working with our number of account managers who deal with our clients. And then, of course, as an owner, wearing a lot of different hats and also focused on our budgeting and forecasting. Ah, fun, fun, fun aspects of the business always. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Listen, just before we get into that part, of it, just for the audience... How would you describe what does the term digital marketing mean? Yeah, so definitely, um, you know, at the core of it, it is being online. Okay. So it'll be anything from, you know, having your website, that's going to be the hub of, of your marketing. But it could also be, you know, paid social ads. It could be paid search ads. It could be focusing on your SEO or search engine optimization. It could also be, you know, ads on Spotify or Pandora or Netflix. And so you're reaching people elsewhere and you're effectively making yourself available 24/7 online. So when people are looking for information about your business, you're available, you're there, they can find you at any point in time. Okay. But is it is I have the impression it's getting much more complex now which I mean like like I mentioned earlier there's so many different outlets there so I mean you mentioned just some of the different aspects of it. How are companies keeping up with this? Yes, that's a great question. It's really difficult to keep up with it. I mean, mm. it's a constant, there's constant updates. There's, as you know, new platforms coming out all of the time. There's platforms are constantly updating their algorithms. They're constantly updating offerings that they have. Our team is constantly reading new blogs and videos that are coming out on YouTube, different tutorials, constantly doing their own troubleshooting with issues that might come up, working with different customer service people that are available to you via those different platforms. So it is kind of interesting. Like digital marketing is still a relatively new sphere in the last 20 to 30 okay. years. And you know, we're fortunate enough, our company is based in an area where we have access to some great universities and access to some great programs and professors who are doing their best to teach digital marketing as well. But you know, there's not really like a book, <laughs> you know, you're not you're not focused on like a specific area of law that has a bunch of historical information 
bunch of information that you can access at any point in time. And so, you know, it's it's a lot of in the field troubleshooting, reading what other people are doing and relying on people such as yourself who are like putting out podcasts and yeah. here's some stuff that I learned along the way that you can build off of too. Yeah. And so if you're starting with a new client, like where, where would they start? How would you focus uh, on a specific area? How does it work? Yeah. And so everyone is totally different. It depends on your industry. It depends on how old or new your business is. But I think, you know, a, a great place to start is, you know, understanding where they are currently, why they're there currently, what are some strengths and weaknesses that they have. So I think a lot of times, you know, if you're working with a well-established business, you know, you're understanding what's the current branding you have, what does your website look like, where are you currently, and then where are your competitors currently? And then for both brand new and established customers, a really great p- place to start is with keyword research. So keywords are basically commonly searched for phrases that people look at in um, search engines. So typically that's going to be Google, but you could also think of like Pinterest or Amazon or even Walmart as a search engine. And so you're going to get an idea of what people are searching for and how they're searching for. And that'll really serve as the backbone of your overall strategy. So understanding how people are looking for you can help you create your content on your website. So this could be your evergreen content, your about page, your service page, your product page, or what have you. And then also fill out content around blog posts or case studies. So you're you're kind of meeting the customer where they're looking for. So going back to, you know, being online, you're being available 24-7. So you're meeting the customer where they're looking for you, but also giving them that information that they're looking for. So, you know, if they're trying to understand, you know, I want some new running shoes that are great for someone with a wide foot. You know, what are those keywords around someone who's looking for running shoes with a wide foot? And you can create that content from there and work backwards. So that's always a really great place to start. And, you know, with I mentioned there a while ago about content. I was reading recently about content marketing now is becoming even more important than ad marketing and ad advertising. Have you seen that yourselves? Is it like, I mean, is it focus on content rather than paid advertising? Or does it depend on the industry? You know, that is a place that I'll say the industry doesn't quite matter as much where content is is so important. And so whether it's paid or organic content. And so kind of thinking back to the the keywords being the backbone, that really helps you kind of flesh out the information you're going to have on your site. And then you also want to have a paid strategy. And so, yes, you want to bring people organically to your site from a quote unquote free perspective, but then you also want to create content from a paid perspective. So that could be Google ads. So bidding on those keywords that people are searching for, and then having your ad show up in tandem with your organic results showing in Google ads. It could also be um, paid content around paid social ads, some using similar key phrases within your copy to make it super, super relevant. I always like to say it, it content should be similar to the story of Hansel and Gretel, where <laughs> the old witch has like the candy is like leading them to the house. And nice. so like, you know, the kids aren't surprised when they get there. Like there's, there's candy along the way, they get to this candy house. And then, you know, obviously when they get to the end, it's terrible, but you know, it's <laughs> at least like, it's at least consistent and you know what to expect. And when you get there, you shouldn't be surprised. So your content should speak about your products and services, your landing page should also speak about your products and services, and then your checkout process or your contact form process should also be in line with all of that content as well. Very interesting. And how about 
It's always a difficult one, of course, budget, how much money to spend on this. Um, and I suppose now that is when, yeah, <laughs> yes. Now that is one that is it's different across industry. It's different across location targeting, and there's no one right answer. So you know, it's it, again, it's great to see like what are your competitors up to, getting an idea of what they might be spending on. You know, someone who's targeting, you know, the entire U.S. is going to have a different budget than someone who's just targeting one state versus someone right. who's going to target the entire EU. And obviously, that's also going to be based on you know. Who is in your competitive sphere? How much are they spending? And then also across industries is going to be different. So if you're looking in like the nonprofit sector, your average cost per click might be a couple of dollars versus, you know, if you're working with somebody in law, their average cost per click might be upwards of $100. And so budget is going to really, really vary based on location, services, competitive sphere, and then also the market too. So what's the market doing right now? You know, is the widget that you're focusing on is that really hot? Maybe it's you know you have a a really fantastic product that's is meant for the beach, and so in the summertime you're going to have a lot more competition, but also probably a lot more sales. Versus in the winter you're going to have less competition but fewer sales. Right, and is it the case of you know who spends the most gets the most, or would you agree? No, not always. I mean, you still have to do it correctly. I mean, you need to a lot of the platforms that we work with. You know, they like to see that you're in the account and making changes. You're reacting to their algorithm, that you're trying new things that they're offering. That said, you don't want to make too many changes at once either. Okay. And so every platform has a little bit different window here. You know, one platform might have, you know, make some big changes, but then wait five to 15 days before the algorithm can react to those changes and, and that different change in targeting. Wow. Actually, you mentioned there the different, yeah, that's a big challenge, of course, various platforms. I mean, where would you, how do you even start when you look at different platforms to for your advertising and for you know your content? Is there a kind of strategy for that, or depends yeah. on the industry again? Or yeah, I think you know for looking at paid platforms, you know, I think that LinkedIn can be kind of a catch-all for a lot of different places. You know, again, you know, selling a beach item on LinkedIn is going to be a little bit different. That maybe <laughs> not, might be where they want to be, yes. but you know, maybe you could get a little bit creative and you know, target people in the HR field who are looking for some bonding as maybe you sell some beach toys there. But, you know, this is a place where every industry is going to be a little bit different. You know, Facebook may or may not work for you, Instagram, Pinterest, etc. But, you know, if you're product focused, you know, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest probably make a lot of sense. If you're more service focused, LinkedIn probably makes a little bit more sense and maybe some Facebook mixed in there as well. Google ads can be a good one for a good baseline or common denominator for a lot of places because you're really focused on bidding on those keywords. So relevant search terms. So if someone is looking for running shoes or running shoes for people with wide feet, you can give them that ad and oftentimes get a higher click-through rate or higher relevancy and a lower average cost per click with that type of bidding. Okay, cool. How about the results then? I mean, when you start your journey, can you expect to see results... Pretty much immediately, or does it take months, or is there like any rule of thumb on this? It depends. You know, we okay. we like to go in with low expectations, and the first couple months are typically research. So, right. you know, we do our research up front. We're we're looking at keyword research. We're looking at competitors. We're building ad copy based on what's on your site to create that cohesive, clear experience. But you know, there's still a bunch of outlying factors that come up that you might not expect. So there might be 
an audience that performs really well that you had no idea or an audience that you expected to do really well that didn't do well. Mm. Same with, I love this, this example. We worked with this fantastic golf course in, in the South. It was beautiful. It was sunny. And we're doing targeting for people, obviously like looking for golf memberships. We're going to golf for the day. And the funny thing is, you know, Google was making all these recommendations within the algorithm for ironing boards. It's like, what? Why is this coming right. up? <laughs> and um, and people are like searching for ironing boards and irons and like realizing like, oh my gosh, okay. So people are golfing and they're using an, an iron to golf with or a nine iron. And uh, I'm, yes, I'm yes. completely butchering this. But <laughs> so, you know, all these little things come up where you wouldn't have thought about, okay, so I need to put in some negative targeting around ironing or iron board or iron supplements or all these other little things that can wiggle through the cracks. So the first couple of months are definitely a learning period. And then often, you know, maybe you have, maybe you're targeting 20 different products that you have. And you have you know these twenty products already do really well for you in this market, but within that platform, maybe five of them do really well, and then on another platform, maybe ten of them do really well, and on another platform, maybe none of them do really well, and that's not where you need to be. And so, a lot of times, the first couple months is a great ramp up period to understand where to put your dollars. I mean, oftentimes, you know, if something's doing well, you want to mm. add more money there, and not the other okay. way. If things aren't doing well, you know, don't continue to add money on it. Like, focus on where it's doing well. And there's totally value in, in all of that data too. So, you know, maybe you're you end up targeting on LinkedIn and you're not getting any sales from LinkedIn, but you still get all of this data on LinkedIn that can help you inform how to work better on a different platform. And then also know that, okay, maybe that's not the platform that we need to be in right now. We'll go back and reevaluate that platform in maybe six to 12 months when things have changed, maybe, or we have a new product or service that might be worth worth implementing while we've been working on other platforms that are already doing well. Yeah, fascinating. How, how do you measure the results, Courtney? Is it, is it like rankings or click-throughs or how, how do you measure the success? Yeah. So there's a couple of different metrics that we look at and it kind of depends okay. on what, what services that we're offering. So you know, if we're doing search engine optimization, things that we're looking at, there are keyword rankings. And so that'll be the more keywords that you rank for allows you to get more free organic traffic. And then the more organic traffic you have, the more keyword rankings you get. So it's kind of a chicken and the egg or rising tides kind of a deal. Right. Um, another one too, you know, you can set up goals within Google Analytics. So Google Analytics is a great free tool from Google that gives you an idea of who's visiting your website, how long they're there for, how often they're leaving. If you're, you know, if your exit rate is really high, that's a good indicator of you know, you're not bringing in the, the, the most relevant traffic. And so keeping that number lower and making sure you're bringing in relevant people. And then also looking at things such as how are people converting on your site? So that could obviously be sales. So if you have a product, but it's also, you know, what else is valuable on your site? So it could be clicks to calls or downloads, form fill contacts, even time on site. So those can be helpful if someone has a really, really long sales cycle. So that's kind of SEO and kind of the website in general. And then from paid platforms, you know, obviously, similarly wanting to have those conversions that we track. So sales, downloads, form fills, calls, etc. But also looking at what's going on within the platform itself against other benchmarks that we can get from okay. doing all this research, what other people are doing. There's some fantastic outfits out there that are looking at different click-through rates and average cost per click and conversion rates across all different industries. And so, you know, oftentimes we can use that data to show like, hey, we're not getting conversions or sales from the leads that we're bringing in. However, looking at all the benchmarks we have, we're knocking out of the park with CTR. It's really, really high. That means we're bringing in really high traffic that's relevant. 
our average cost per click are lower than the industry benchmarks. And so that can be an indicator of there's something on the site that isn't working, whether it's the right. user experience, maybe the, the page loads slowly, or your um, shipping costs are way too high, or your checkout process is just slow and clunky. And so this can often be fantastic information to help feed back into SEO, back to make your site more user experience friendly. And then, you know, the better that your site loads, the faster that it loads, the more likely Google is to show your search results, your organic listing and search results. So, you know, it's it's a lot of information. It's a mm. lot of pivoting. It's a lot of being malleable. It's a lot of making a plan and knowing that plan might change. Trial and error, a lot of trial and error by the sounds of it. How about, yeah. you know, the, the, the content aspect of it? I mean, like, you know, you've got different types of content. Like, for example, I'm, I'm doing podcasting with, you know, people are writing articles, people are doing videos. Is there a, one preferred over the other or should you have a mix or what would you recommend in that aspect? Definitely a mix. Okay. And I'm, I, yeah, I think in all aspects, if you can have any kind of mixture anywhere is great. That said, you know, if you're spread thin, you know, don't do everything. Like, pick the things that you can do and pick the things that you can outsource. So, you know, people always ask us, like, how often should I be posting? And, you know, there's, again, there's no one right Good answer. Question. But, yeah, but, but the right answer is, you know, post when you have something to post about, whether that's posting a blog post or sharing something on social media, anything like that. Okay, brilliant. So listen, so you, you obviously you started your own uh, business. Tell us about that. Why did you go and set up your own business? Yeah, so, so I have two other co-founders. We're all equal owners within the business. And we all came to points in our careers where, you know, we kind of were like, wow, we can we can do this better. <laughs> so and we all, you know, none of us are, I hate to say this, none of us are particularly passionate about digital marketing, but it's all they're all like some common denominator tools that we have in our toolbox. It's stuff that we knew how to do, and we're all really fueled by other people who are passionate about things. And so that's it's been fantastic to be able to partner with a bunch of different brands as an agency rather than just working at one one big company in-house. You get to work with a lot of different people, a lot of different brands, a lot of different personalities. But I would say the one thing that got us really excited actually was what's called the Google Ad Grant. So um, it's basically a $10,000 credit for qualifying 501c3s. You basically... You can't be a church, a government, or educational institution. But as long as you're a 501c3 and go through a couple little hoops here, you can get this ongoing credit. So this has been this is a fantastic way to for nonprofits to talk about right. uh, their mission, their values, get donors, get donations, get volunteers, etc. And this actually ended up being the kind of crux of my final MBA project was putting together a business plan for Intellitonic focused around nonprofits based on this ad grant. So we did a bunch of different market research and you know looked at the market and it made a lot of sense for us to be able to to formulate a whole business around focusing on nonprofits with this grant. And then of course, you know, we hit the ground running and quickly realized, you know, the research told us this, but it it's really really hard to get a bunch of clients and be able to build an agency on on just nonprofits alone. So, you know, plan is just a plan and we quickly pivoted and opened that up to focusing on for profits as well. Okay, so it's getting that mix. Mm-hmm. And how do you, I mean, so, so how long are you guys going now? How long are you in business? Yeah, so we're starting on, we're on our seventh year right now. Wow, brilliant, congrats. So how, how did you go about, you know, building the business day one? Talk to me about that. Yeah, so, you know, day one, 
I think I was the first one to jump ship and quit my job <laughs> and go, go full force and started, I think I started with the website that was like, this is what I know how to do. I know how to write content. I know how to build a website and this is where I'm going to start. So obviously we, we were able to start with that business plan that I created and, you know, pivot from there. And we were able to kind of piecemeal something together. And we, you know, we went ahead and we bootstrapped the company. One of my business partners, this was his second company and his previous company, they had taken a large investment, which worked out in the end. It was great, but it, you know, it was hard. And it was a, it was a company that he had built and he was really proud of. And in the end, you know, the company changed a lot with those investors in the long run. Yeah. So the core values of his company and the culture changed dramatically once they um, took that investment. So for us, that bootstrapping felt like the right way to go. You know, obviously that resulted in us taking some much smaller paychecks than we had before mm. uh, and working with that <laughs> and being a little bit, you know, a little bit scrappier and, and, and that's okay, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, amazing. It's all part of the journey, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, I always enjoy listening to other people's experiences. I suppose one of the reasons why I started this podcast and also for my audience. I mean, is there any kind of maybe a couple of challenges that you could share and maybe solutions, what you've learned from that? Yeah, absolutely. And um, building off of the bootstrapping, you know, for us, that made sense at the time. You know, it definitely, it allowed us to give some other benefits to people, you know, maybe they weren't necessarily getting as much money as they would have liked, but they had the ability to work from home, which is now super commonplace with the onset of COVID, a little bit better work-life balance, more flexibility. So, you know, there's definitely some, some good things that came out of that. But I would say, you know, networking was really, really important for us, you know, whether it was online via LinkedIn, whether it was like some local groups, stuff that was really good for, for the founders. We all joined nonprofit boards both locally and internationally. And that that served us well to, you know, build up our network, build up our connections. But where, you know, what's difficult there is, you know, you kind of learn how to weed out what conferences and networking groups that are not worth your time. Uh, um, yes. And then also as the business was ramping up more and more, you know, we had to start kind of putting less time on board work that had served us so well to focus more on the business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, great. Oh, thanks for sharing. Uh, yeah. So how, I mean, what's, what's the plan for the future? Yeah. So we have a couple of things kind of on the docket right now, but my partner and I just moved down to Australia. So Inteltonic is initially based in uh, just north of Seattle, Washington. So we're working on opening up a branch in Brisbane, Australia right now. And then we also have a couple people in LA and we have a couple people in Thailand. So we're really looking to take our national business international, go a little bit bigger, have some more malleability, flexibility. So that's exciting there. And yeah, then and I love also... the idea. Sorry, I love the idea of building that around your lifestyle as well, which is awesome. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's really important to be able to fit that within your lifestyle and, um, you know, time zones and family and mm. friends. And I think COVID shaped a lot of that. So that's been good. A couple other things on our plate too, you know, always keeping your eye and ear to the ground on what the next platform is going to be that we need to be on, you know, obviously what's the next tactic that we need to do with SEO, but also looking forward to, we're partnering with a Jedi consultant. So someone who's working okay. on justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion um, nice. to really help us better speak about the work that we're currently doing, understand our weaknesses and opportunities, just become better allies. And then also, you know, 
just seems like there's an impending recession that's coming in the next couple of years. So um, don't mention the word. I know, I know, but to come full circle, you know, looking at budgeting and forecasting and saving and, you know, how can we, how can we make our clients be recession proof? So that will by proxy make us recession proof. So definitely looking forward to, you know, hopefully becoming even sturdier as we grow and putting our different people in different places and, and maintaining that growth that we've had. Brilliant, Courtney. And uh, if people would like to get in touch with you guys, what's the best way? Yeah, they can visit our website, so intelitonic.com, and then just check out our contact page and shoot us an email. Awesome. Well, it's an absolute pleasure, Courtney, to have you on the show today. Thank you for spending some time with us. Thank you so much, Ken. This has been great.